This is Your Partners in Pain, a podcast that aims to bring together those who live with pain, healthcare providers who treat chronic pain, and researchers working on topics that affect people living with pain. This podcast is a must-listen for anyone experiencing pain or anyone trying to help those who live with it. Your Partners in Pain is presented by the Saskatchewan Pain Society, also known as SAS Pain, and I am your host, Alexandria. Each episode, we are going to speak to Saskatchewan-based healthcare providers and researchers who have information and education to share about pain science and pain care. We are also going to speak with everyday people as they share their incredible stories of living with pain and the techniques they've used to help manage it and live well. It is important to note that the information presented in this podcast represents the opinions of the host and the guests that appear on the show and not that of SAS Pain. The content presented should not be taken as direct health care advice, but for informational purposes only. Because each individual is unique, please consult your healthcare provider for any questions or concerns you have, or before you incorporate any of the ideas presented in this podcast into your own treatment plan. In episode 13, we are hearing from Jennifer Pond about her experiences in living with spondylolisthesis. Jennifer walks us through managing the dark times and creating the light times that are necessary for staying balanced when you're dealing with persistent pain. From sharing your feelings to healing and dealing, Jennifer details her experiences with pain and relates it back to the thing that connects us all, being human. Jennifer, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Jessica. Well, we're so excited to hear about your lived experience with pain and what you have to share with everybody. So I'm just going to jump right into it. Can you start uh, by explaining what um, kind of pain condition you live with and what that's like? Yeah. So I developed a spinal condition called spondylolisthesis, um, which presumably presumably happened due to an injury in yoga. And this condition is really characterized by instability within my spine. Um, specifically at the vertebrae level. So in my instance, um, my L4 vertebrae, so a vertebrae in the lower region of my spine, it sort of started to slip over top of the one below it. I hate to use the word slippage, but for lack of a better word, that's sort of what was happening. So it's quite a scary condition to um, become aware of at the time. And a lot of people actually can have this condition and not um, know it. And some can actually have the condition and learn to manage and treat the pain and the related symptoms. And then there's sort of a substrata of people that really are challenge to um, manage the pain, the instability in the spine, and all of the different symptoms that come along with it. And I unfortunately sort of landed in that category. So after what was years really of, you know, trying different conservative methods of treatment like physiotherapy and medication, um, massage therapy and acupuncture and diet. I really did a full service on my body and lifestyle. Um, after trying those things, I really 
was unable to manage the pain and things only progressed um, mechanically and pain-wise as well. So I did end up having a spinal fusion surgery, which was wonderful in the sense that it allowed me to regain that stability in my spine. But I was also left with quite intense, debilitating, persistent pain um, and, and other challenges as well. Um, you know, my regular day-to-day activities were definitely a challenge for me. Like sitting is challenging. I have pain when I sit or when I stand, you know, cleaning the bathtub, really every nook and cranny of my life has been sort of affected by this condition. Wow. And and I mean, understandably, because, you know, the spine is the pathway of the body, essentially, it carries everything from your nerves to your spinal fluid and, and all that good stuff. So thank you for sharing that. Wow. Based on how uh, intense those those effects were on your life, can you tell us a little bit about what your life was like before you were diagnosed with this condition? Yeah, absolutely. You know, thinking about this question, it's important to note that life was never perfect, right? Like, I think that's really important. There was quote unquote pain, yep. <laughs> emotional or, or what it, what, whatever it may be prior to as well. Um, just different types of struggles. I mean, life is always presenting us with struggles. So it's, it's important to note that life was not perfect before. Um, but specifically, you know, it was a pretty normal life, very fast paced. Um, I was pretty motivated by ambition and work. I loved working. I worked a lot with events and marketing. So really creative work and, Um, I enjoyed that quite thoroughly. I had a vibrant social life, I would say, maybe too colorful at times. I was in my 20s, so lots of fun to be had. Um, Yeah, everything was really fast paced. I love to travel. Um, Yoga was a big part of my life, probably more on a physical level than a spiritual level, but I loved to practice yoga. And yeah, I was I was quite spontaneous and and young and didn't have a lot of challenges. Now you know now that I understand that word in the way that I do, um, but also on the other side as well, I definitely wasn't as in tune with health or with healing with these words. Um, wasn't as in tune with my body or wellness, and definitely didn't have an understanding of lots of different ways people can live. You know, I was ignorant to a lot of other people, although I found myself always quite sensitive to people. um, I definitely just was not as conscious about the different ways in which we live. So, I mean, there's so many amazing things I could pick up on from what you just (laughs) said, but I really want to highlight how much I appreciate you saying that, you know, life wasn't perfect before the pain because, you know, living with pain can make it really easy to look back on life pre-pain with rose-colored glasses, you know, and, and everything seems idyllic and exciting Mm -hmm. and, you know, like it was just perfect. And then the pain ruined everything, but that balance of remembering that, you know, there were challenges before and you were meeting them and now there are new challenges and there are different challenges and you're meeting those too feels important. Yeah, it's really important to maintain that perspective, although I would say that's come with time. It definitely was not easy to get to that perspective, and it took a lot of growth and and learning from different people who have faced even more crazy and difficult challenges than I could ever even imagine. And so, yeah, that comes with time, but I do feel like where I'm at now, it is important to 
to not just play full victim Mm -hmm. (laughs) and really start to understand that life is full of challenges. And we, you know, we always want to keep that close to our hearts so that we can look at the world with appreciation and look at what we have with appreciation and realism as well. So, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I feel like I'm going to be taking that away from this conversation. So thank you. (laughs) Um, So you've given us a great founding in what your life looked like before you started dealing with this condition. But can you tell me a little bit about how your life has changed as a result of dealing with this particular challenge? Yeah, I feel like all of these questions could be their own episode. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it changed us in every possible way. Pain does not just affect you or, or medical conditions don't just usually affect you physically, but I mean, really in every single realm, socially and economically, sexually, even, and, um, philosophically, I mean, and mentally and emotionally, I mean, really every single nook and cranny of your entire existence as a human being is affected by pain because the pain is in your body. (laughs) We can't escape that pain. And, And that's really challenging. And, I had a really hard time finding a sense of safety and belonging inside of my body. Um, And so that was hard. So yeah, I could touch on a number of things. Two things that come to mind. First of all, um, the isolation and not just physically, but mentally and emotionally in the beginning, um, when I was just sort of learning about my pain, I was still working. And so I really became unable to present that pain to the world. Like I would feel it all inside, but I wasn't able to express it to the world. And I found myself becoming quite skilled at hiding different parts of me. And and I really didn't feel authentic anymore. I mean, I had to mourn this person I was prior to, but in some ways continued to pretend to be this capable person. I always remember, um, you know, the, I look back and the elevators, I have quite vivid visions of them because they know me better than anyone. Cause I would walk into an elevator with my clipboard and my red lipstick and my smile, you know, and the doors would close and then I would just collapse and that smile would fade. And I was able to finally just express in that moment, what I was feeling, which was intense pain and fear and what is going on in my body? And there was physical symptoms I didn't understand. And then the doors would open and that smile would come back on and I'd step back into the world and that's who I would present as. And so I was really hiding a part of myself while still just trying to, that was how I felt like I was managing and, and right. Preserving my sense of safety. Um, but I mean, anybody who hides anything really starts to understand that that eats away at you in a way that you can't even necessarily um, capture in the moment or process in the moment. So I definitely, you know, me, I changed, I changed in the way that I related to myself and the world. And so it was quite a very lonely time. And then as I was no longer able to compartmentalize the pain with like the me or separate the pain with my work because the pain got so, you know, my condition just progressed and the pain got so intense. I found myself unable then to even pretend. And then I just would physically isolate. Now I'm no longer working and I'm inside my home and, you know, too ashamed and embarrassed to even go out into the world. 
Um, so that would be one way in addition to all the many ways that pain affected my life. And the other point that I was thinking about when reviewing this question was the emotional and the mental effects almost were worse than the physical effects. Um, you know, I think that as a society, we are conditioned um, to view success um, as, as related to what we do or how much we earn or the roles that we play, right? Our worth is really interconnected to all of those sorts of accolades and those things that we do, even how productive we are within a day. And so when you're no longer able to play that game with society, you're no longer able to get up and work and be the busiest and check off all your to-dos and, you know, like, you you definitely start to struggle with what is my value? What is my worth? Who am I? So even beyond physical, I was really struggling um, with sort of who I was in the world and, you know, and, and what was my role and how would I contribute? And was I successful? Was I worthy? But thankfully to a lot of, again, wise people who have um, done a lot of amazing things in this world and shared their learnings, I was able to sort of see that, wait a minute, like I can choose what success means to me. I don't, you know, I'm not defined by society. And I started to explore what does a meaningful and fulfilling life look like for me? Those are just a few ways. There's, there's so many more. I hope I didn't rant too long, but yeah. No, not at all. This is all so relatable. And, and I feel like you're really speaking to kind of the human condition in a way with, um, you know, you're talking about embodiment in, in that, like your pain was inside you, but you didn't want to be visible with your pain. Um, I, I find something so poetic about, you know, saying that the elevator was the one who really knew you the most. Um, and that, the isolation you described too, um, this, we're not talking about this, but as a queer person, I, I really identify with this whole hiding a piece of yourself thing. Um, and so it, it really goes to show just how interconnected pain is with literally every other aspect of your life, because it ultimately isn't about the pain. It's about the way you fit into the world. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, interesting you bring up like LGBTQ because during that time, it was something I, I really thought about. I mean, when I say prior to these challenges, I was sensitive to people. I mean, my parents are both doctors of psychology. I, I have that in me to empathize with people. But until I really went through these different challenges, it wasn't until I did that, that I could really start to put myself in other people's shoes that maybe hide things and go through different challenges. It makes you so much more aware that we are all human and we all face these, you know, different types of challenges, but a lot of us react in the same way because of what society does and fear and we have to play roles. And, and I've learned that that's just not the type of life I want to live. <laughs> you know, I want to be transparent, whatever, whatever I'm going through, you know, share my shit is what I say. Like, let's just share our shit. <laughs> Part of oh my, my gosh. <laughs> want it on a t-shirt. Let's get the merchandising going. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> 
Oh, well, speaking of sharing our shit, which <laughs> I'm going to use liberally from now on, I hope you don't mind. No, <laughs> you, you talked a lot about how there was um, wise people who helped you realize that your role in society isn't inherent to how productive you are or what kind of outputs you make. So yeah. it sounds like you, you had some guidance. And I was just wondering um, what you found the most helpful in terms of managing your pain or improving your health or just dealing with all of this shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll start off by saying what was least helpful because it sort of, yeah, connects what, what I, what I have found is least helpful. And I've, I've done this throughout my entire life is trying to run or escape or avoid. And, and part of that is natural to an extent. I mean, from the human condition standpoint, it makes sense. We want to try to avoid uncomfortable sensations. It makes sense. We want to kind of run from things we're uncomfortable with, like anxiety or depression or worry. That all makes sense. But I think a lot of people in this situation, including myself, because there's uncomfortability within the body, we try to use different tools to help us escape that. And what I have found is that those behaviors, um, when I engage in behaviors that are not really aligned with what's right or what's good for me, they create so many more challenges for myself. And, and to an extent, it's okay. You know, we want to binge watch some TV. That's okay sometimes. There's a healthy level to do that. But when it becomes the way in which you has tried to escape yourself, you, you ultimately just create more problems. So, you know, I would oftentimes like engage in like overeating at night, you know, just eating junk food to try to avoid the feelings that I was having. But then you have um, maybe shame afterwards, or you're just not eating the best foods and maybe you gain weight over time. And, and so ultimately we just, these behaviors can really take us further and further away from healing and from dealing, pardon my rhyme there, from healing and dealing and, and really just hinder our health. And so anytime I engaged in behaviors where I knew I was trying to run, that was the root of the behavior. Those always just created more and more problems. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, you know, drugs and alcohol and addiction and even social media, like there's so many outlets to do that. So just being really conscious. And so that sort of takes me to what helped me, which was finding medicine that worked for me and tools that allowed me again to reclaim that sense of safety and that sense of belonging inside of my home because pain in ways took that away from me. I was no longer safe or comfortable to be in my body, but you can't escape that. So it's, it's just, it creates almost this impossible turmoil. So mindfulness was the biggest, um, most helpful practice for me in the later years of my pain. I mean, it's the exact opposite of trying to run and escape, but it's learning to stay, to just stop running and to stay and to sit with those physical sensations, even when they're really challenging. And not only the physical sensations, but to go even deeper and start to explore and be with the trauma that's you know happening in the body or maybe that has caused some of this pain, the anxiety and the worry and the feelings of shame that we oftentimes don't even take a moment to sit with um, and to acknowledge. 
And mindfulness is not only being with those experiences, both internally and externally, but also being with them in a kind way, in an open way, in a gentle way. So there's a tenderness to the practice that I really needed because for the first few years of pain, I just internalized the shame and the feelings of being unsuccessful. You know, I really felt like it was my fault that I couldn't get better. Um, and I think a lot of people feel that. So really learning to be your friend um, through mindfulness and learning to stay and empower yourself was just so important. So mindfulness for sure. Um, and then I have two more if you have time. Where Please. We yes. Okay. Movement also, movement, movement, movement. And movement with pain is so challenging. It's really misunderstood because pain usually comes when we move, when you have persistent pain, like it's part of it. And so a lot of us feel like it's a danger to increase our pain or to move. There's not a lot of education surrounding pain and movement, but it was the one thing when I started to educate myself on pain and then movement with pain, um, it really allowed me to decrease some of the pain and then increase my abilities. And abilities is really what sort of stops us from living a fuller life, not necessarily the pain, but when the pain gets so severe, it stops us or, or not being able to move and, and, you know, lift groceries and things like that. So movement can be such a powerful way to, um, really broaden your life and, um, a non-drug related treatment method for sure. That's helped me. Um, and then of course, education on chronic pain and your nervous system and learning to work with your nervous system. We don't have really any education um, on this. It, it, it's out there, but you have to go searching in the right avenues. And a lot of people aren't even aware um, that persistent pain is in and of itself its own medical issue um, that we need to acknowledge and treat. And so, yeah, lots of research on persistent pain and your pain system and the nervous system and learning to work with that. And then the last most important thing that was helpful and that still is helpful today, all of these things are still helpful today, is staying in touch with higher level emotions like joy and excitement, gratitude. Um, these are really important because when you have pain, it just makes so much sense that you're also going to have a lot of low level emotions like anxiety and worry and depression. They almost all go hand in hand. You're going to feel bad about yourself potentially. And to live in that state is really bad <laughs> for our systems. Not that that is not a great word to use, but it's detrimental to our health when we, to our health, when we're constantly living in a state of sadness or depression. And so, um, Staying in touch with joy and happiness, it, it's just such a beautiful thing and it helps us to feel good. I mean, if you think about it, if you're in front of a baby or a puppy and the baby's so cute and it's giggling, like your body's going to release oxytocin, your body's going to release serotonin. We have this pharmacy inside of ourselves full of medicine. And so we really have to find those experiences or those memories that are able to pull that, that medicine and those good feelings out so that we can live in that state, that state of happiness and appreciation, because you can live, um, 
or joy can be felt alongside pain, like love can be felt alongside pain. And so it's important to keep having experiences with those really good feelings every single day, I think. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, there's so many amazing nuggets of wisdom in everything you just said. And and I don't want to go over time by exploring all of them. So I feel like I just talked way too long. No, not at all. This was so amazing. And I feel like everything you said is something that people really need to hear. Um, But I'm just going to pick up on the last one because otherwise we'll be here all day. Um, (laughs) When I went through my own pain journey, I realized that it was really easy for me to become anhedonic, which means that you no longer feel um, pleasure or joy or basically happiness. And so um, realizing that I could choose to experience those emotions was life-changing. And And it sounds so counterintuitive when you live with pain because the pain is involuntary. You're not choosing to feel the pain. So how could you choose to feel the positive emotions, the the higher level emotions? But realizing that I could go out and do things specifically to cause me to feel happy. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, you know, turning on the medicine in my brain, the way you say we have that pharmacy built into our heads and, and our bodies and why not use it? Yeah. We're, we're not taught this at all. Like it's, it's really too bad. We don't learn these things in elementary school, to be quite honest, because these are tools for life and they really empower us to take healing into our own hands, even happiness into our own hands. Like this isn't just about pain. It's really about humans, (laughs) like this conversation. And it applies to everyone when you're, whether you're going through grief of a loss of a loved one, or you do have a medical condition or a mental illness, or you're just stressed, right? Like we really need to become more aware that we have a lot of innate internal resources, a wellspring of resources inside of ourselves. And yeah, it's a practice though, for sure, because our mind is always going to be primed to go to the negative. It's always going to be primed to categorize and judge. And so we just need to override that conditioning through awareness. It comes down to awareness. Where do I want to place my awareness? It's not that I don't feel the pain, but it's that I can push my awareness to something else. And again, this all takes time. Like I don't want to speak in a way that's preachy because this took me years and years and years. And I still, it's a daily practice like healing there, there is no destination, right? Like it's just continuous. Um, and same with these practices. I think that we just need them constantly in our life. And if you can create different routines around your medicine, you have a fighting shot at having a really joyful life, regardless of what ails you, right? Regardless of your woes. Yeah, absolutely. And I really appreciate that you point out that it takes time because we don't want to come across as saying, you know, you're doing something wrong if you don't feel this way, because you and I are both speaking from years and years of work and effort and trying to get to this point. So, you know, um, for anybody listening, who's listening to us and being like, ah, that's ridiculous. Just know that it's, it's just a little bit at a time and it builds up over time, you know, and I have days still like even even though I'm equipped with all this information, I have total days still where I escape all day with Netflix and shitty food. And I don't want to meditate. Or if I try to meditate, I can't get there or I can't feel the joy. I just feel the pain. I feel bad for myself. I have those days all the time. It's just about trying again the next moment, like every new breath, every new moment, new opportunity. And you just have to know that again, it's a journey. Like it's just continuous. So it's okay if we have bad days. It's, you know, it's okay if we have bad months. (laughs) 
years, whatever. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Oh, there's no judgment attached. As long as you're taking your next breath, you're doing the best you can. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Okay. So obviously, you know, you, you got a lot of awareness of the things that are helpful and the things that are good. And, and you, uh, said the words healing and dealing, which I love. <laughs> you just have such an amazing way with words. So when we talk about healing and dealing, oftentimes for people living with pain, that has to involve clinicians, healthcare providers, you know, the medical system in general. So um, from your perspective in terms of healing and dealing, um, what do you wish you could say to these, these medical providers uh, who treat pain? Yeah, I will start by saying that that this is a challenging one because I do believe that people do the best that they can with the information and the training that they have and within the given system that they're working in. I don't know if that makes sense, but absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, and in addition to that, we know that from the Canadian pain task force that not, you know, all people with medical medical degrees have, have adequate training in pain. I think it was under 10 hours. I mean, veterinary medicine has more hours in, in pain. Um, and also people have different schools of thought surrounding pain. So within that context, it's hard to criticize um, because I am so grateful for so many clinicians out there for sure. But I think the most important, um, the most important thing that I want people to know that have pain or clinicians to communicate is that pain in and of itself is a medical issue. It pain can be the problem. And so in my scenario, I had a very real spine issue, right? The spine was in unstable and causing all sorts of pain and, and different other related symptoms. But I also, especially after years of being in pain, had a pain problem. So I had two different medical conditions and my pain problem was not being acknowledged or treated. And that's really important because a lot of the treatment methods for my spine were counterintuitive for the treatment methods for my pain. And so when I would do treatment methods for the spine, it might amp up the pain system to become more protective. It might create more pain, traumatize the system more. And we were thinking it was a failed attempt, but little did we know, or little did I know, we just weren't working with the pain system too. There was two medical conditions and we need patients to understand that right away. Anyone going into a doctor's office that's had pain for longer than three months, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you have another medical condition, you very, very well may have trauma that's producing the pain, or you could have an ankle injury, autoimmune disease, whatever, but you also have a pain issue. And so we need intervention and treatment for that pain. And there's, it's really important for two specific reasons in my research that I found. And first of all, um, let me just read it here. What we know about pain changes the way we feel it. We know that. And so simply enough, there are people walking around on this earth with persistent pain that if they only understood the pain better and the complexities around the pain, the pain may reduce or the pain may go away. That's pretty incredible. And that's, that's a really big missed opportunity here. And the second point um, is that, let me just read again, right. We know that when pain is left untreated, 
the likelihood and probability is high that it will spread in the body, that it will intensify over time, and that it's harder and harder to treat. So we're really missing so many opportunities. The moment someone walks into a doctor's office with persistent pain, they should be it should be recognized, they should have the education, and there should be treatment methods set in place for those people. I think that's really important. And then also, you know, not to put it on the hands or on the shoulders of just doctors, you know, the pain epidemic, as we know, is really big. And so this has to be um, really pushed from a government level, educational level, right? Like all the systems, society, we all need to better understand pain and then implement accessible, not just to people who have access to internet, but accessible treatment methods for everyone. So, cause these are people's lives, you know, and pain really affects you. And it's terrible that people are living, you know, with pain alone with no support. So yeah. And also, but thank you to all of the um, people for doing all of the wonderful work surrounding pain. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it's important to recognize that, you know, individuals are almost always just doing the best that they can, yeah. but that sometimes the system is set up to perpetuate these things to yeah. lead to these failures. Yeah. And calling out the system isn't necessarily personal criticism. Mm-hmm. So I, I very much appreciate that. Um, and, and everything else you said, so basically I I feel like I could sum it up with, um, pain is its own medical condition and should be treated as such and early and equally accessible intervention could really just save a whole bunch of time and pain and effort. Yes. Yes. You have all the right words. Brilliantly said. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. You said them originally. I just get to come along and repeat them. So (laughs) So um, then what would you say to someone who is who has just been diagnosed with your condition and is maybe feeling a little overwhelmed in managing their pain and their experiences? Yeah, hmm. I think that um, just take it one day at a time, like everything that we're talking about could be very overwhelming for someone just starting out with the condition um, because you know, all of this is a journey, <laughs> the the healing and also the condition and, and learning what that means for you, because your condition may not manifest in the same way that it has for my life. So you very well could be able to manage this condition, um, you know, pretty easily. And so I, I don't like to put fear into anyone's mind. I think that you're best just knowing that it will all be okay, whatever that looks like. One of my favorite quotes is that I think it's something like life presents us with challenges in order for us to evolve. And so all of the things that I have gone through have ultimately helped me evolve in some way, even if they're still challenging, there there has been um, sort of a purpose for the pain, so to speak. Um, And I think just get as much support as you can, educate yourself, um, lots of holistic medicine as well. Don't just go to doctors, like check it, right? Like holistic medicine. I won't go too much into it because I'm taking so much time. Um, yeah. And just try your very best to be compassionate, to be compassionate to yourself as much as you can. This is really challenging. It's overwhelming. It's all scary. Pain hurts. It's not going to not ever hurt. Um, and we just have to do our best to love ourselves through it, through the pain. Um, yeah, just stay with it and stay present and do the best you can. And yeah. Absolutely. I feel like the the advice to be kind to yourself is 
amazing advice, regardless of what kind of challenge you're dealing with, but is especially important when you're starting off down the road of, okay, I have pain. How do I deal with it? Yes. Yes. And supports like (laughs) you got to get supports. However, that looks like for you, because we don't want to walk this path alone and, and you need some people to sometimes you know, pull you back up. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. So this could be its own separate interview in and of itself, but to kind of bring things to a wonderful close with our Saskatchewan based podcast, yeah. what is it like for you living in Saskatchewan while living with your condition and your pain? Yeah. You know, I giggle because the winters are terrible. <laughs> Not to talk about the weather, but I would say winters make it much more isolating. It's not as nice to walk. Um, and so those are those are challenging bits for sure. But I'm sure the pain patients in California have their own <laughs> weather-related reasonings. They don't like it either. Um, but I think it's great. I think it's great. I have a lot of support here, but even beyond me, it's an exciting time for Saskatchewan. I really feel it from when I first initially initially was diagnosed with my condition and pain, there wasn't as many resources. People weren't talking about pain as much. And so I've really been able to see this community evolve um, to the point where there are people like you and Susan Tupper and and people out in the community um, basing their careers off of helping to educate people about pain and helping to make um, pain treatment more accessible and just considering it, just considering the system in and of itself and making necessary changes. So I just think it's wonderful. I think that Saskatoon and Saskatchewan is really making a commendable effort to help the quality of people's lives. So yeah, go with Saskatchewan. I think it's amazing. Oh, well, what a lovely way to end our talk today. I just... I'm blushing. You all can't see it, but I'm blushing. So. <laughs> but, you know, thank you. I feel like you being a part of this work is is just as commendable as the people leading it. You know, without people like you sharing your opinions and your feedback, you know, people like Susan and myself wouldn't be able to do what we're doing. So, you know, again, tying it back to the human condition, we're all just doing our best. And I feel so grateful for you're joining me here to do our best today on this interview. Yes, we did pretty good. We did okay. <laughs> we did great. So thank you so much, Jennifer. And if if anybody wants to reach out to Jennifer and talk to her about her experiences, we will be sharing her email address in the show notes. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much, Jessica. The work you were doing is just incredible. So I, I so much appreciate you and, and thank you for having me today. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to Your Partners in Pain, a podcast for people experiencing pain and those who help individuals living with pain. Funding for this podcast was provided by the Saskatchewan Community Initiatives Fund and the Saskatchewan Pain Society. For more information about our organization or to find additional resources, please find us on social media at SASPain or visit our official website, www.saskpain.ca.